All right, aren't you glad we have the, the Lord Jesus? He's the captain of our salvation, and he is yet to be defeated. And I'm glad that he is the ultimate victor, and we have victory in him. I'm glad for that, and um, appreciate you, church, again. And we read there in, in, in Exodus chapter 2, if you could t- also turn your Bible to a- Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 this morning. I'm glad to have you here the, today, and hope that you've been uh, been well. I've been praying for a, a few there that uh, are unwell, but I'm glad that we can still gather together. I'm glad that we have the technology for those who can't be here to to um, to stream in and, and be part of the service today. So wanted to greet them this morning. Uh, but Acts chapter seven is uh, well, where we'll be uh, this morning, and our theme this year is is comeback. And I think you know, many of us as as Aussies, we love a, a good comeback story. You know, often when we are watching a a game, uh, some sporting. Uh, event on TV, we, we start to, to look at the score and we start to cheer for the underdog wanting a, a better match, perhaps if it's a lopsided and we want a bit of a comeback. And uh, it was a little bit like that last night, you know, in the in the big bash for us as a family. We still go for the, the Sydney Sixers, but it was, uh, they fell well well short. But, you know, we want to, we want to, we want the underdog to win. We want a comeback. We, we like to tell stories of how, how people came back. And you know, as, as God's people, I have to say that um, I'm glad that God is into comebacks. And actually, we have a God who is a God of not just a second chance, He's the God of many chances. And I'm glad for that because that, that is true of all of us. And, you know, He's the one that never gives up on His people. And even when we go through times of trial and testing and trouble and, and even at times of failure and mistake and all of the consequences of that, He is still able to bring us back. He is still able to bring us back to a state of victory and triumph. And although there's many we could certainly choose from, I want to highlight a, a, a particular uh, character in the Bible that I think is, is a good example of that. And we're going to look at Moses. And I think we all know who Moses is. Moses is someone that we know as a deliverer. He he was used by God to rescue the people of Israel who had been enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. And yet, if we don't know the, the story of Moses, we can forget about the fact that he actually spent a good while just wondering if he could ever fulfill what he was called to do. Or just wondering if he was ever going to do what, what, what was told him that he was set out to do. And we read the account earlier this morning in regard to his, his failure. You know, he, he went out and in his own strength, he went to slay that, that Egyptian who uh, really was abusing his fellow brethren, the Hebrews, and what he did was he took it in his own strength. He, he, he did, his, he, he did the, the thing that he was supposed to do in his own mind, but he did it in his own strength, and yet God continued to prepare him regardless. And you know, sometimes when we're, we're in the in the middle of a transition, maybe there's a change in our life, and not necessarily in regard to a failure, but maybe there's a change, and, you know, change happens to all of us. And there was a, a great change in Moses' life. He went from the palaces of Egypt, went to, to a place where he was in, uh, in the backside of the wilderness. He went from a place of prominence where really he had some authority to looking after animals, sheep of all things. 
And what a change for Moses. You know, it was hastened there because of a failure on his part. But change can happen to all of us. Change could, could bring us to a place that we're unfamiliar. Change could bring us to a place where we're looking around thinking, is this it? Is this what God had for me? Is this what I'm, I am now? And we can find ourselves so often in that place, and sometimes even in the positive. We can look at, look at the, uh, a move that God brings us to and, and brings us to a new place, and I can relate to that. I can relate to the fact that, well, there I was thinking I'd be there pastoring over in Sydney for the rest of my life, and here I am. I'm in Brisbane pastoring the Good Shepherd Baptist Church. I'm glad for that. But you know, that those, those times of transition where you're, where in, you're in, a, in a process of change, where you find yourself in unfamiliar ground, where you find yourself wondering what's happening, is actually the right time for God to do something in your life. You know, here he was, he was, had a miraculous rescue. He was rescued from the, from the, the, uh, the policy of the government to, to slay all of the Hebrew children. There he was rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter, who really grew up as a prince of Egypt. And Moses miraculously was raised by his own mother, educated in the customs and the ways of the Egyptians, but certainly told of uh, perhaps the, the, the special thing that God had given him as a Hebrew now placed in the palace. And yet we note where Moses ends up in the middle of nowhere. Far from the palaces where Moses probably was thinking, well, I can enact change right here. And now in this harsh place, in this mountainous place, in this wilderness, he finds himself perhaps maybe even feeling hopeless. Feeling a little, not overwhelmed, but maybe even underwhelmed with the situation he, found, he finds himself in. And perhaps in his own mind he was thinking this was no place to mount a rescue mission from. And Moses unknowingly, though, was about to make a comeback. You know, I was thinking about our good friend, Pastor Fisher, and he, he told me this, when things look like they're falling apart, they're actually falling into place. And I want to tell you this morning that God is in the reconstruction business. You know, he demonstrates that failure isn't final, that change doesn't necessarily mean a setback. He can, be, he can become a stepping stone rather to a comeback. And Moses was brought back from the brink of obscurity to really leading a triumphant redemption of the people of God. And, and maybe you've felt like God has been working through some of your own issues lately. Maybe you're looking and, and maybe there's some change that's happened in your life. Maybe there's some things that God's brought you through and it's different to what you expected. And regardless of the fact whether that's a, a, through a failure or through a, a misstep or simply God just bringing you along in your journey, we can find ourselves in, in that way where we're trying to figure things out. And I want to tell you that's good. That's good because th those are, that's really the place where God can mount a great comeback in your life. And I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about Moses this morning. And uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 7 and, and more of the, the Bible speaks about this man. And we'll, we'll, we'll learn some lessons here about Moses' comeback. And hopefully it can apply to us this morning. And, and verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians as, and was mighty in words and deeds. 
And when he was full, 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. And notice this, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at once again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he did that his he but he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses thinking he had gotten away with it. Moses thinking that somewhat no one else noticed, and yet here were his, his Hebrew brethren really pointing the finger at Moses. Then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Madian where he begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight and he drew near to behold that the voice of the Lord came unto him saying, I am the God of thy fathers and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groaning and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, who had made thee a ruler and a judge, the same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel, which appeared to him in the bush. So a great summary, really, of what had transpired in Moses' later life. He, he finds himself there in the backside of the wilderness, and suddenly, as he looked, as he was just going about his normal course of, of looking after the sheep, he sees this sight, the, the burning bush that wasn't consumed. And there he finds God speaking to him and, and really just a regular day. Moses probably didn't wake up that morning thinking, well, I'm going to see something done today. No, he was just going about and he, he, this was his life now. This was the reality of his situation. And what we find about Moses here, firstly, what was notice there with me in verse 22 in Acts chapter 7. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. You know, if we contrast that to, to Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we know that Moses, his argument with, with God was this, I'm not good at speaking. And, and what God was doing in Moses during this, this transition time, during this time of change, his new normal, was actually what God was doing unknown to Moses was God was reshaping Moses. God was actually working in Moses' life and you know, he learned now, finding himself in the backside of the wilderness, he learned some new things. God was re reshaping Moses. God was retraining Moses. God was making him fit for the work that he had to come. And, and whilst Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in word and deed, actually, that's not what God needed. God was reshaping Moses. He learned instead through shepherding in the wilderness what was needed for the task at hand. And if you think about it, shepherding was actually, it was despised by the Egyptians. In Genesis 46, 34, the Bible says there that, that don't tell them, he was basically saying, don't tell them that you're shepherds 
Why? For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. It was seen as lowly. So you think about the contrast in Moses' life now. He was from the top rank there, right there, living in the, in the palace, living with Pharaoh and all of the royals there and living the high life, having authority and having all of those things that were at his disposal. And then he became the thing that the Egyptians despised, the shepherd. And right there, no doubt, in Moses' mind, he was thinking, what is this all about? I came from that to this. But in all actuality, God was reshaping Moses. God was teaching Moses some new lessons. And this was God's reshaping of Moses. He had to unlearn the Egyptian way, and he had to be molded in God's way. You know, so much of, of us following Christ is actually unlearning following ourselves. So much of, of, of God's transformation in our lives is, is, is not doing it the world's way, but God teaching us to do it His way. And what it is, it's a reshaping of who we are. This was God's reshaping of Moses. This was God's plan for him. And in fact, it's God's plan for all of us. God's plan is for us to be renewed and reshaped and retrained. Why? Because he has something greater for us to do. Because all of those things that we thought we had in mind, all of those things that we thought and we imagined to do, actually in God's hands, there's much more to come. And sometimes we can assume that all of those things can carry through, but in all, in all honesty, God is wanting to reshape us. You know, in Romans 12 too, the Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And before that, that, that fulfillment of the will of God in our lives, there needs to be that transformation and there needs to be that renewing of the mind. And there's a contrast there of being conformed to this world to then being reshaped and remolded and retrained in the ways of God. And what we find in Moses, firstly, really he was reshaped in his leadership. You know what Moses was when you see him, he defended him, he avenged him. You know, Moses was, he was a strong man. And, and he was an imposing figure. But what he needed to be was not imposing, he needed to be imploring. You remember later on, once, once they were out of the, uh, Egypt and they were in the wilderness, how many times Moses could have imposed himself, but rather than imposing, he implored. You know, he, he came from being someone who could order someone to do something to someone who needed to implore and be with, just like the sheep, guide and lead that way. You know, he, he slew that Egyptian with his bare hand. He used brute force. And he went from that to being what the Bible says, the meekest man on the, on the planet. He, he was transformed. He was reshaped for, the, for God's usage in the future. In Numbers 12, 3, above all men which were upon the face of the earth, he was the meekest. And so in his leadership, he went from imposing to imploring. He went from being impatient to interceding. You know, Moses found himself really, he, he just went to visit. It was put on his heart. And right there, he wanted to deal with the problem. He, he, was, he was impatient. He, we see that coming back a little bit later on in his life. But he went from impatience to interceding because when he spent time in the wilderness with the people of God, he realized they were full of complaints. 
He realized there were times where he just had to intercede on their behalf. And rather than being impatient with them, he went ahead and became one who was interceding. And I'll tell you what, nothing will do that more than just spending your days walking around with a bunch of animals. <laughs> you know, you ever try to train a dog? Um, I, we, we did that growing up. My, my parents tried to train our dog, but, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a mangy thing. <laughs> it just had its own mind. And there were times where you just had to show some patience with it. And, and Moses had to learn to become not one who was impatient, but one who was interceding. You know, he was impatient to fulfill his calling, and he acted upon it against the Egyptians. And yet, in the wilderness, he learned to intercede for a complaining and rebellious people. In Exodus 17, they murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? And our children are cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? You know, he, he was one that had learnt patience. And for 40 years, this was Moses' plight. And God had truly, he was reshaping him. You know, he went from intelligible to insecure. You know, he, he was mighty, the Bible says, in words and deeds. He, he was eloquent in the things that, he had known, and yet what we find in Exodus chapter 4, turn there with me, notice verses 10 to 14, notice Moses' argument to the Lord. When finally God said, now Moses, now after you're here, after my reshaping, and notice Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Now, that's a good, great contrast, isn't it? The Bible says that he was mighty in word and deed. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb of, or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my, o my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And Moses was, was in his mind now. He was insecure about his own abilities. And, and you know, sometimes when God does give us great abilities, sometimes that's the thing that gets in the way. Sometimes that's the thing that God has to reshape us about rather than being confident in our own ability, rather than being confident in our, in our own talents and skills. Sometimes God would rather use someone that's a little insecure about what they're supposed to do. And sometimes we look, he'll look at the weakness of someone who lacks perhaps even the confidence to speak and the confidence to do the thing that they're supposed to do. And God will look at that one and say, hey, I'm going to elevate that one. And God's reshaping does that. And God had him now where he was just perhaps even low in confidence. And what it all was, this was God's reshaping for Moses. And what it had happened, he had truly become weak in himself. And now God could use him. You know, I think many of us were too strong for our own good. You know, we have knowledge. We've got experience. And we have some authority and we have some might in our own hands. Maybe you're perhaps yourself mighty in word and deed in your own estimation. Can I warn you, that's not what God will use. God will use a broken vessel. And God will use someone who will see himself weak and humble himself before, before an almighty God. And so God was reshaping him in all of this, even in his own expectation, you know, the timing of his calling, Moses was following his own schedule. You know, his impatience for God's timing 
later would cost him, it was 40 years in the backside of the desert. It wasn't until later on Moses was 80 before he became the deliverer. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm later in my age. Can I encourage you? You know, it's not about our timing, it's about God's timing. And, and in his own expectation, God was reshaping Moses. You know, this was Moses' doing. He, he came really with a brokenness about where he was at. And yet, this was God's timing. The, even the terms of his calling. Moses thought his calling was to rescue the Hebrews one by one. He thought, well, if I could deal with this, then I could, I could rescue them. And yet, God had bigger plans. And Moses thought his, call, his calling perhaps was political, yet actually his calling was spiritual. And at times, God's reshaping, I want to tell you, involves us seeing more of what, not what we can do, but what he can do through us. You know, David saw himself as a shepherd, but really he became the shepherd of Israel. Job heard God, but after the reshaping, he saw God. Peter was a fisherman, but after God's reshaping, he became a fisher of men. And Paul was zealous for the law, but when God reshaped him, he was zealous for God. And so God reshapes us, and often the test of, of all of that is our calling. Really, Moses supposed. Moses thought that he would pass with flying colors, and yet God had to teach him he wasn't ready yet. He, was, he needed to be reshaped. And you know, the the method that God uses to reshape us is often this, it's a reduction. Because what Moses was, he had become reduced from being that man who was imposing to being that man who was just lowly, who was a shepherd. And God reduced Moses. In, in, in Acts chapter 7, look at verse 25, we read it earlier. Moses was full of suppositions, for he supposed his brethren would have understood. But they understood that. Not, that was the reality. The next day he shows himself. He asks them, why strive ye together? And then he, they question him, wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? You know, Moses was full of suppositions. You know, how many times do we suppose things of God? We suppose that he would do this. We suppose that he would do that. And this was the process, really, of God reducing Moses. See, God was in the business of reducing Moses to be usable. I think about the, uh, John the Baptist who said, I must decrease and he must increase. You know, many times what, what God will do in our lives during a, a, a change or a transition time is he, he'll reduce us. He wants to, to boil us down to to something that he can use. And, you know, I, I think about our, our, my own life. You know, when we go through change and newness, in, in a way we become reduced. You understand, I, I, I went from a place that I was familiar with. I went to a pla from a place where for 18 years I ministered to the same people. I knew everyone's name. I knew everyone's birthday. I knew everyone's weakness. I knew everyone's strength. I knew everyone, for some of them from the day they were born to the time that they were living now. And, and I came from that to a new place. I came to a place where I'm sure, for some of you, I've said hello and it was the wrong name. I've come to a place now where I've never lived. 
where we're, we're somewhat familiar, but actually we're very unfamiliar. And having to learn and having to start again, you know what that is in my mind? It's a reduction. It's, it's not a reflection on you. We have a, God has something great for us as a church to do, but this is a reduction in my life. Why? Because I have to start again. You know what I've found? I've had to draw closer to God. I've had to pray through, and I've, I've prayed through the list of names, ask the Lord to help me to get to know you, help me to get to know your people here, help me to love them, help me to understand their hurts and understand their dreams and understand the, the things that they're going through. Help me, Lord, because I don't know them. And that's just a stark reality. And I'm here as God will allow me for the long term, but I want to tell you that right now I feel a little reduced. And, and, and I'm mindful, though, that that's part of God's way. Because as I reflect back, I was a little too comfortable. I was too comfortable with where we were at. I was comfortable knowing the same people. I was comfortable ministering in the same way. I was comfortable doing that. And whilst I learned some things along the way, and whilst even in that whole process, there were times of reduction then, I just know that God allows reduction in our lives for our reshaping. Because one day, he, he, the, the, the result will be that He'll reveal what it was all about. And, and really what all of that is, it's refinement and reduction. And it, it always leaves what is necessary and it takes away what is, just, what is extra, what is superfluous. And, and really for Moses, it was to help see, help him see the, the magnitude of the responsibility you know, Moses thought that in his own strength and in his own way, he could achieve what God had told him to do. You know, we can be like that. We can look at a family unit, and as mentioned earlier, we have a lot of families in our church. And you can you look at your own family and go, look, I know what to do. I know what that's all about. And, and before long, we're doing it in our own strength, and, and sometimes God has to reduce us. To help us see, look, actually, it's, this is much bigger than what you, you take it to be. And Moses thought he could do it. And, and yet, God had to teach him that, actually, this was a bigger responsibility than you imagined, Moses. And Moses started to question even his own ability. Go back to Exodus 4. Go back to ex Exodus 4. Actually, sorry, uh, chapter 3. So here the burning bush was happening. In verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I? He says, Who am I? You know, before that, Moses just took it for granted. He just went in and just took it in his own strength. But here's Moses now. God, this was God confirming. Now's the time. And notice Moses' attitude. Who am I? Who am I? And then look at, look at God's response. He says, Who am I that... that I should go unto Pharaoh that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. So this is God speaking. Moses continues and notice God's response in verse 14. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And Moses had to realize his success and the fulfillment of the promise wasn't all about his ability, who he was, it was about who he was. It was about the great I am said that. 
and, and, and he had to look beyond what was available to him. He had to look beyond his own abilities. He had to look beyond, and God had to put him in a place of reshaping and reduction. And God had to help Moses see who the real answer was, and that was God. You know, our theme verses are, in, in, are found in Psalm chapter 20. Quickly turn there. Psalm chapter 20. And I love these verses because I really think we need to remember where we stand. In verse 1, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifices, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation in the name of our God. We will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. And notice some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You know, it's not about our resources. It's not about those, those surrounding circumstances, whether we have this or that. No, we have the name of the Lord our God. You know, too many times when we, when we take account of issues in our lives, we take account of changes, we take account of all of that, all we're doing is evaluating ourselves. All we're doing is looking at uh, what our ability to do that is, and, and God's trying to get us, no, it's not about you, it's about me. It's not about who am I, it's about the great I am. And that's the answer. And, and God had to bring Moses to a place of reduction. Why? So that he can start to look at the, the, the grandness and the greatness of who God is. You know, so often the largeness of the task requires the enormity of our God. And it was the great I am. See, he had to, God had to help Moses acknowledge his inability, actually. And this was, this, this, this was a key to Moses' reduction, was for him to conclude that he was unable. And too many times, God would he, would, he would bring us to a greater plane. We would just simply say, Lord, I can't. Lord, I, I'm not able in my own strength. Lord, I can't. I don't have the, the wisdom enough. And that's reduction. That's reshaping. And, and that's uh, retraining and and really to help him move to teachability. Moses was about to receive a whole bunch of instructions, and Moses had to be humble so he could be teachable. And this is part of our reduction. It's part of our reshaping. God often shakes the foundations of what we know, so we let go, and that doesn't hold us back. And all Moses knew was to lead like an Egyptian. All Moses knew was to lead in that way, and yet he needed to lead differently. He needed to lead like a shepherd. And Moses' upbringing in the palace meant that this was, this was something that in, was ingrained, and God had to reshape Moses and reduce him so that he can be used. But I want to tell you lastly that actually God restored Moses. Because at the end, in verses 29 to 36, we read it earlier. Notice, go back to Acts chapter 7. He says there, and Moses flees, verse 30, and when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. 
you know, it always starts with a confrontation by God. You know, if, if God's confronting you about where you're at and where you actually need to be, then I want to advise you this morning, pay attention. Pay attention. It might not be the, the burning bush experience. It might just simply be his words dealt with us in a way. But, but Moses paid attention. And, and really, he was in this place where he didn't think he would be. But a comeback was afoot. Because God was about to restore Moses. The, the, really, the comeback that we crave for, perhaps, is, is, not, is based on how willing we are, church, how, to, how willing we are to respond when he comes to pick us up and get us back up. How willing are you to respond? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't his own name. It wasn't Moses here. It wasn't about his ability. It was the ability of God. And, and a just man falls seven times and rises up again. But it's about God coming and, and us responding to his dealing with us. You know, if you find yourself and you're not where you need to be, maybe spiritually you're dry. Maybe there's been some sin in your life that you've not dealt with and God's dealing with that with you. I'll tell you this, you won't make a comeback from that unless you respond. Unless you pay attention to what God's saying. And, you know, I want, I want to tell you that often when we think about comebacks, all we're thinking about is our own restoration. But I want you to think larger than that because actually for Moses, this wasn't just about him. This was, this, there was a grander thing. There was a, there was a greater reason for his own comeback. And in the first place, it was an answer to Israel's prayer. You know, in Acts 7.34, the Bible says, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people. You know, it was Israel's cries that activated Moses' comeback. And, and don't underestimate the prayers of others and the cries of others in the reason that God restores you. Don't, don't be so short-sighted to think that, well, it's great that, you know, I'm on my way back. Listen, God, God, God has someone else and God has some others perhaps in the background crying out, someone that you could help, someone that you could help uh, come back in their own right. And, you know, revival, salvations, restorations, comebacks, they all are born by people who have prayed in a time of need. And there's greater. You know, it was also a demonstration of God's power. You know, it was all that God did, and Moses' comeback was all to show God's immense power to restore and transform. And then at the end of it, it was a fulfillment of God's own plan. You know, this wasn't Moses' plan. He wouldn't have chosen to go this way. This wasn't Moses' script. No, no, this was God's script. This was the, the plan for Moses to be reshaped, to be reduced, and then ultimately to be restored. And actually, this was all for God's glory. I'll tell you, ultimately, every comeback ha hasn't really to do with us. We just get to be the recipient of it, but it has all to do with God showing what He can do. Don't give up. You know, it's, at times, it, things can look bleak. At times, you, you, you feel like, oh, I can't dig myself out of this. Don't dig yourself out of it. Just lay, lay it down and go, and go, Lord, what is it that you're trying to re reshape in my life? What is it now that, that I'm just reduced, now that I can, I've, I've got nothing? 
What is it that you want me to do? And I'll tell you that that's probably the time where God will look down and go, well, now's the right time. Because now you're not relying on your own strength. Now you're not relying in your own way. Now let me do it my way. And I want to tell you, church, that when you let God do it His way and you follow His way, it's far better and far far greater reaching than you'll ever imagine. And that's a comeback that we can look at and go, wow, God did that. And so, church, as, as, as you think about this year, you think about where you're at and where God wants you to get to, I want to encourage you to just, to just lay, lay down your life, to just simply say, Lord, do the work so that I may, I may be who you want me to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, again, to, to look at the life of Moses and, Lord, to take stock of, Lord, your way. And, Lord, many times we take it in our own power. And, Lord, when we do that, we find ourselves falling short. Falling short of your own, Lord, of the potential and, and the purpose that you have for us. And yet, Lord, even in those times, you still have a purpose. You, you don't give up. And Lord, even in those times, it's a time of re reshaping, reducing, and then, Lord, ultimately, if we respond, to a restoring. So I pray that you'd help each and every one here this morning, and, and even those listening, perhaps at home, that, Lord, you'd, you'd help them to take comfort in the fact that, Lord, you're not done with them yet. That, Lord, you, you would have a greater thing for them if only they would respond to your way. So I pray that you'd help us this morning as we take a little bit of time and let's have the piano playing. We're going to have a time of invitation. And maybe the, the Lord spoke to your heart this morning and as you look at where you're at and perhaps how this past year has been, you look towards this, this new year, 2022, and there's things that you, got, you want God to do in your life. There's things you're looking to God saying, Lord, what now? I want to encourage you this morning to simply look to the Lord and, and to, to look to Him for your, your comeback this year. Look to Him for your restoring. Look to Him perhaps for, for those around you. And, and maybe it is that, that thing that you will be the, the intercessor to, to the Lord for someone else. And you're looking at and concern and, and your heart is for them. And I don't know what the situation is, but as a the piano plays, would you just uh, do business with the Lord? So anyone here, perhaps if I were to ask you this question, if, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Has there ever been a time where you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? You know, the greatest comeback is to go from, from death to life. And, and in effect, when, when we trust the Lord as our Savior, He's bringing us from a place of death to a place of everlasting life. And is there anyone here just with an uplifted hand? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. If I'm to die today, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Is there anyone here this morning? I don't see any hands. If you're watching online, please reach out to us. But then, church, if you're saved, maybe there's some things that you want God to, to work in you about this year. Would you just come this morning? Would you come to the altar and say, Lord, work in my life. Lord, there's some things there that I know that, that I need to make a comeback in. And Would you just work in my life? Lord, help me recognize your reshaping, 
Help me to recognize maybe even some reduction in my life and then help me to be surrendered as I seek you this year, as I seek you this year. Let's, let's come to the Lord in prayer this morning. Altars open, please don't delay. And, and would you just do business with the Lord this morning?